Welcome to our worship today from St Peter and St Paul's Seal, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. Our thanks today go to Christine Whiteman for our reading and to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for our two hymns. You can find service sheets and hymn words on the website. I had hoped to be able to include a sermon which was is due to be preached today in um, Seal Church by the Venerable Julie Connolty, the Archdeacon of Tunbridge. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get hold of that in advance, so I'm afraid you have to listen to me instead. But I will be putting Julie's sermon on the church um, blog, so you'll be able to find the link on the church website to that. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we begin our worship, let's think of the week that is past and all that's happened in it. There will have been times when we've done wrong or fallen short because we're human. 
So we ask for God's forgiveness in the joyful knowledge that nothing can destroy his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn and inwardly digest them, that through patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and forever hold fast the hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Nehemiah from chapter 8, beginning at the first verse. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women, and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the purpose, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them.
The psalm today is Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16. How shall the young cleanse their way? By keeping to your words. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not stray from your commandments. I treasure your promise in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, instruct me in your statutes. With my lips will I recite all the judgments of your mouth. I have taken greater delight in the way of your decrees than in all manner of riches. I will meditate on your commandments and give attention to your ways. My delight is in your statutes. I will not forget your word. At that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Bible Sunday, the day in the church's calendar when we ask for God's help to read, mark, learn and inwardly digest the words of Scripture, as today's special prayer put it. But I wonder how you feel about the Bible. Now, you may be an old hand who's been reading it for many decades, but for many people it's a closed book in every sense of that phrase, a baffling tome that seems irrelevant and outdated. What on earth is it all about? Where do we even start? How can we understand it? Do we need to take it all literally if we want to call ourselves Christians? If these are your questions, then you aren't alone. It probably won't surprise you to hear me say that I think reading the Bible is a good idea. But that's not just because I'm a vicar. The Bible records the voices of countless people who've gone through the same human experiences and trials we all do, but have encountered God within them. As we listen in to their lives, we can often hear that still, small voice speaking to us too. The Bible isn't a simple instruction manual, though. It's not even one book. It's many different writings put together over a period of more than 600 years. It's not always internally consistent, and why should it be? No one who wrote the books that make it up ever imagined that they would all be bound in one volume. It's often in dialogue with itself. Jesus himself argues with the scriptures. You have heard it said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, he says, quoting the Old Testament book of Exodus. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. In fact, that ancient law was intended to place a limit on the retribution people could inflict if they were hurt. They could only take an eye for an eye, not more, as they might be tempted to. But Jesus calls his followers to show generous mercy. 
He wasn't doing anything new in reinterpreting the words he'd grown up with, though. It's what serious students of the Hebrew Bible were expected to do, weighing up the many different images of God it contained, different understandings of life and death and what comes after it, different ideas about how people should relate to each other, arguing with one another, reinterpreting in the light of new experience. If we want to read the Bible seriously and feel the breath of God coming off its pages, we need that same open-minded, open-hearted approach to it. The Bible is a treasure chest to delight in. And if ever there was a time for its rich array of stories, poetry and wisdom, it's now. Because it was almost all written in times of crisis and trauma. Times when its writers and readers had their backs to the wall. When the future looked bleak. Times like our own, in other words. The books of what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures of the Jewish people, were largely drawn together just before, during and after their deportation into exile in Babylon. The Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem and taken its people away across the desert. In a foreign land, powerless, often brutalised, many of them became convinced that this was the end for them. But others looked back at the ancient stories they'd heard, the ones they'd told around their campfires for centuries, and they found new meanings in them in the light of the present disaster. Eventually they shaped them into a new narrative which spoke to them of God's love and faithfulness. The world had been created good, it said. God had delighted in it. He wanted nothing more than to be close to his people and have them close to him. But soon things went wrong. The story of Adam and Eve cast out of the Garden of Eden symbolised that. But did God give up on them? No. He went out into the wilderness with them, calling to them, guiding them, forgiving them, turning up again and again, looking for goodness amidst the self-inflicted chaos of the world, nurturing small seeds of hope. Even when the people became slaves in Egypt, said the story, God didn't forget them. He raised up an unlikely hero, Moses, to confront Pharaoh and lead them out of slavery. It shouldn't have worked, but it did. Just imagine hearing those stories reframed in a new time of trial in Babylon. God was with us then, they said, even though we didn't always know it at the time. Even when we'd given up on God, God never gave up on us. And if he didn't then... Maybe he hasn't given up on us now either. It was a message of hope to those Babylonian exiles in a time when hope seemed all but extinguished. Today's Old Testament passage told the story of the reading of those old stories of Moses shortly after the exile, when some of the exiles had returned to Jerusalem. How should they rebuild? What could they make of the ruins they'd been left with? along with those who'd been left behind, abandoned to try and survive amidst the rubble. The ancient tales, reshaped, brought them to their knees in mourning and repentance for what had gone wrong, but also gave them hope for the future and sent them home rejoicing. The New Testament too was written in a time of trauma. It was written for small, scattered groups of Jesus' followers, who were trying to live out the message he'd taught against a backdrop of intermittent persecution. 
The Gospels date from between 30 and 50 years after the time of Jesus' crucifixion. So it was a bit like writing about the 1970s and 80s now, far enough away to reflect on with a bit of perspective, but well within living memory for many. By the time the Gospels were being written, the beautiful city of Jerusalem had been destroyed again, though, this time by the Romans, and its people had been driven out around the ancient world. This disaster resulted in savage arguments and infighting in the Jewish community, and the followers of Jesus were often caught up in it, because Christianity was still just a reforming group within Judaism at this point. It looked as if this tiny new movement would be swept away before it had had a chance to grow. But the Gospel writers, like those earlier Hebrew scribes, pointed their readers back to the story that had begun their movement, the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. It was a story of apparent failure and hopelessness, his humiliating execution, but it had become the wellspring of their faith. Jesus' resurrection had upended the expectations of the world, which said that the might of Rome, like that of Babylon, would always rule, and that cruelty and hatred would always have the last word. Heaven and earth will pass away, says Jesus in the passage we heard today, but my words will not pass away. His words would be the words that endured. And so it has proved to be. The Roman Empire, like the Babylonians before it, is long gone, but people still find life and hope in the words of Jesus. So, should we read the Bible? Yes, we should. That doesn't mean taking it literally, and certainly not looking to it for easy, formulaic answers. But if we read it with open minds and hearts, we can still feel the breath of God coming from its pages to breathe his life into our weary souls, to revive us and give us hope amidst the fears and troubles of our present age. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the words of the Bible. Open our hearts and minds to hear your voice speaking to us through it and give us the wisdom and grace to respond to your call within it. We give thanks for those who wrote it, those who passed it on through the generations, those who told us its stories and taught us to read it, and those who help us to hear your voice within it now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for the communities of faith which support us, for the chance online and offline to connect with each other. We thank you for the message that we are not alone, but part of a fellowship which stretches across the ages and around the world. And we pray for your church throughout the world and for our own diocese, for James and Simon, our bishops, and Julie, our archdeacon, for the encouragement and support they give. Give them wisdom in these difficult times as they tried to guide us through them. Gracious God, we thank you for this world in which you've placed us. Help us to live within it with generosity and love, especially for those we find it hard to get along with. Give to those in authority your spirit of wisdom and compassion. 
We pray especially for those who are living under oppression and prejudice, for those who can't worship freely, for those who are imprisoned or persecuted because they're standing up for justice. We pray for the people of the United States as they approach the presidential election, especially for those who have least power and the quietest voices, that their needs might be uppermost. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for our families, friends and neighbours, for those you have given to us to love and be loved by. We pray for our organisations, schools and businesses, and we give thanks for all the informal care given and received in our community. We pray for those who feel lonely today, for those who are missing loved ones, separated from them by the present restrictions. We pray for all who feel anxious as the winter approaches and the dark nights loom. Show us how to support and help one another and draw us together in your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we pray for medical professionals and care staff as coronavirus infections increase and for those who are especially at risk. We pray for all who are sick and those who care for them. Give them courage, hope, healing and strength. We hold before you any who are on our hearts in a moment of silence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we entrust into your keeping all who have died and those who mourn, and we pray for all who are facing death. Strengthen us all with the knowledge that we cannot fall out of your hands in life or in death, and help us to see and inhabit your kingdom both now and in the world to come. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share in the peace, I'd like to invite you to think of someone who you know, maybe a member of our congregation, maybe a member of your family from whom you're separated, or a friend. Someone who you would like to feel that you're united with at this point. Because we're all held together in God's love, even when we're separated physically. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit we were all baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. 
Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy in this time of uncertainty and distress. Sustain and support the anxious and fearful and lift up all who are brought low, that we may rejoice in your comfort, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.